something that the uh, Federation of Colored Women's Clubs used to always say as one of their things, lift as you climb. And that was what my uncle, and that is a watch theme of our family, lift as you climb. Hi everyone, Olivia here, and welcome to the second and final part of my conversation with Mr. Ken Blackwell. The Games Podcast, of course, focuses on the history of the modern games, but one of the beauties of podcasting is that it lends itself to become a platform for perspectives, a place where different views and ideas can be shared and discussed. In the off-season of the Games Podcast, as we wait for episodes covering the next Olympiad, we'll be able to get that diversity of thought through a few interviews. Now, I want you to know that these interviews have very minimal editing. I took out some ums and uhs here and there, but besides that, what you're going to hear is the same as if you heard the interview live. If you missed part one of this interview, go back and give it a listen because this episode starts right where we left off. As a reminder, Mr. Blackwell has provided some pictures of his great uncle, DeHart Hubbard, as he sailed to the 1924 Paris Games, and you can see those pictures on the Games Podcast Instagram and Facebook pages. I really think you're going to enjoy this conclusion to our conversation. So without further ado, here is part two of the D. Hart Hubbard story with Mr. Ken Blackwell. So I want to talk about his time at the Olympics. And I know you said um, the disappointment about the 100 meter and the high jump. He was able to compete in the long jump, correct? That's where he won. He won the gold medal. Mm -hmm. Um, The other event, the hop, skip and jump, um, as I was researching a little bit more about his time at the games, I found some newspaper stories that talked about he had a, or at least as the paper said, it was a, uh, a heel bruise is what prevented him from competing in the hop, skip, and jump. Um, and the paper seemed, you know, devastated to have a great American athlete have to be out. And they were thinking, oh, goodness, now, you know, the British are going to get another medal or something like that. But I just wanted to, as far as you know, and it's, you know, okay if, if you don't, but as far as you know, was that an accurate story? Was he unable to compete in that event due to an injury? I, I I really I really don't know. I I know that he was he was eligible to compete, but I I, I think he had gone uh, made the transatlantic trip, uh, really focusing in on the three events, mm-hmm. uh, and um, given because I'm not sure when the hop skip and jump would have taken place, but he could have he he, he could have had a. a Ankle bruise. I mean, that seems to be logical. Uh, you wouldn't have to have the imagination of Walt Disney to 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 sort of make that up, you know. Um, so I, 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 it's probably it's probably right. Uh, but that was that was not something that I ever talked with mm. uh, with him because again, you re- remember uh, uh, he was a great bowler too. He loved to bowl. Um, but you know, the, when you stop to think about expanding not whole baseball, when he came back, 
Uh, I mean, and this is he was he was he was a smart guy. Uh, he later became, you know, director of uh, housing uh, for the federal government in in the uh, in the Midwest, and, and he was Ohio Cleveland based. And as I understand it, he was offered uh, or were invited to to come in to be considered to be the first secretary of of of, of HUD, uh, and he had to he took a pass on it because he he just thought he was uh, was too old and there were other younger folks that that could could do the job uh, and put more uh, uh, against it. But you know, look, we he what he did with 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 baseball, um, yeah, I, I I just thought was great, and and just to show you the the, the legacy, he had the Cincinnati Tigers. They became sort of like the stepbrothers of uh, the Cincinnati Cincinnati Reds, and um, there was a point in the '90s when Cincinnati was was making a bid. Uh, as part of the Midwest region here, uh, to to host future Olympic games, and so they they made uh, their presentation to the International Olympic Committee in anticipation of making a bid to the uh, international uh, the, the the American Olympic Committee in hopes to making a a bid for the uh, the Olympic Committee uh, the mothership, uh, and he. Um, Bob Castellini, uh, who is now the principal owner of the Cincinnati Reds, was very much engaged in in doing the research to for for the presentation. And he did a lot of research on my uncle because there were now influential Ohioans. Uh, Staren Aronoff, who was president of the Ohio Senate, had graduated from Walnut Hills and had been fascinated with my uncle and with that story of that whole team that forfeited. And so Castellini did a deep dive uh, into my uncle's uh, history and his story. And he, and he came back and, and, and they made their pitch and they prominently played the D. Hart Hubbard uh, chapter of their, their book presentation. Um, Cincinnati didn't get it, but uh, Castellini became fascinated with my uncle. Uh, and so um, one of my closest friends and business partners um, was approached by Castanini and he said, look, I wanna be the first major league baseball team that provides an opportunity for a serious investment in our franchise uh, with the uh, with the Reds and can you put together a small group to 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 buy into our operation uh and we did and so again I, I when I think about it uh my uncle has provided me with a legacy that now he's that I've taken the handoff and hopefully you know who knows one day one of one of my kids you know, might be a principal owner <laughs> of a major league baseball team. But we, we in fact, have we, we, we have a legacy. Uh, and when you go back and you look at the roots and you just think that here was a guy who whose dad was his chauffeur, 
uh, whose 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 brother and sisters were smart, but essentially were blue collar workers, uh, but who in fact had a work ethic uh, and, and and gave birth to children who actually continue to do breakthrough things uh, in our city and in our state. Uh, you know, it's 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 a, a moment of uh, a personal personal pride for me. Uh, to be associated with that sort of legacy. Wow, that is amazing that the things that he built continue on and continue to grow. You, you know, you you mentioned legacy, and I wonder, I mentioned um, John Baxter Taylor earlier, and unfortunately, John Baxter Taylor, he passed away uh, at a very young age, just a few months after he came back from the 1908 Olympic Games. So he he wasn't able to see his effect of winning a gold medal as part of this medley team on his peers, on the younger generation, um, the kids coming up behind him. Um, but Mr. Hubbard did. I, I assume that he was able to see what it was, what it meant to his peers, to his friends and family, um, to the younger generation. So could you talk a little bit if, if you I mean, if you were, had spoken to him about that? Um, about what that was like to see, you know, here he is mid twenty in the mid-1920s coming back, having won a gold medal for the United States. Um, what was that like for him and the people around him coming back to see, you know, here's this guy we knew who, you know, did the newspaper route and now he's an Olympian. But more than that, he's a gold medalist. So what was that like for for him to see his effect, um, and then the community around him when he came back. Well, I think I think the community around him, you know, saw him as uh, a world champion and a person of great athletic ability. But I'll, I'll just keep underscoring that the, the 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 family was just as impressed with what he had accomplished academically, uh, and they were just as impressed with his his inexhaustible energy in terms of, of pursuing positive change. Uh, and so his, again, expanding not whole baseball into uh, the black communities of, 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 of Cincinnati, then the American Negro baseball, the, I, I can say he was a great bowler. And so he created bowling leagues within the African-American. And not only was he a great bowler, uh, he was a fierce competitor, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but again, uh, people always talked about two things about his intellect and about his work ethic, which produced great academic, I mean, excuse me, athletic achievements, but because of what he, he could visualize you know, going the next step, um, both, you know, in, 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 in civically uh, and athletically. And so that's, that, that's a great gift uh, that I hope that we've passed on to our children and they're passed on to their children is being able to visualize, you know, your, your, your potential and where it can take you, establishing goals, uh, being being fearless, not letting false barriers stop you from achieving uh, what what God has given you as 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 gifts, and again, that's academically and 
and and athletically, uh, and a, as a as a humanitarian. You know, my 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 grandmother, who was his sister-in-law, you know, talked about the, their their conversations and and things that they would pass on to us about giving. And my grandmother would put a quarter in the palm of my hand and tell me to squeeze it as tight as I could. And then to shake it and, and my arm as wild as I could, could shake it with all of my strength. And, and she said, what, what have you learned? I said, that I can hold on to this quarter. She said, no, that's another lesson that, uh, that we try to teach. And she said, sometimes when nothing can get out, nothing can get in. So sometimes, you know, you, in fact, by giving, you actually receive. Uh, and it was a great life lesson. You know, and 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 so uh, that that was something uh, that that the Hubbards uh, and my grandmother was a Lucas, and so the Hubbards, the Lucas, the Blackwells, uh, but we were all uh, we we're all close families, uh, and I think that look a, a great a great lesson. There there are a couple of things that are that are unique of, of, about the. American experience and the African uh, American experience. Uh, and that is just how important two institutions are to our progress, our survival and progress, the family and the church. Uh, and <clears throat> one of the things that you, you realize is that the family is the incubator of, of liberty. Uh, and so if you, if you look at most totalitarian, authoritarian, or big welfare state forms of government, uh, they do a couple of things. Uh, they, 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 they minimize the reach of the church and they destroy the family. Uh, and so uh, what, what we've tried to, to carry forward uh, that my uncle and 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 the in, that network of, of families were so um, mindful of uh, is that we, it, our liberty starts uh, with the family, that, that God invests in each of us that liberty, that uniqueness, but it is the family, which is the first order of, of protection and nourisher of that, of that liberty that is so important. And that the church lets us understand that there, no man, no government is the grantor of our freedom, uh, the gift of our, our human rights. It is, these are gifts from God. And so if you, if you have a strong church experience uh, and engagement, strong, loving, nurturing families, uh, that is those things are the springboards to success uh, and contribution, particularly if you remember something that the uh, Federation of Colored Women's Clubs used to always say as one of their things, lift as you climb. And that was what my uncle, and that is a watch theme of our family, lift as you climb. Wow. You know, I'm just amazed, one, to hear his story, two, to hear what he's built, and then three, to hear how your family has continued to grow it 
grow this legacy and um, kind of, you know, increase the blessings, um, continue to stay faithful, um, continue to have that work ethic. I mean, that's amazing. And I can only imagine how proud he would be to be able to see his family continuing so strongly um, in all of those facets. Um, and, and, you know, as I'm hearing it, to me, he is an example of what the Olympic athlete is supposed to be. Hmm. Um, Baron uh, Pierre de Coubertin, you know, who revived the games, his his focus was on physical education, but he was also trying to to have um, academic exercise, you know, and physical education be on equal footing. Mm-hmm. We have to exercise our bodies and our minds. He wanted people to be good students of both. And to hear the story of DeHart Hubbard and his dedication to academics as well as athletics, I mean, to me, he's, he's almost a poster child mm-hmm. of the Olympics to see that you can succeed in both. You can you can run a really fast 100 meter dash, um, but you can also be a great student of history, as you as you noted, and you can excel in business. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, one or the other. You you can do both, and I, I think the the ideal of the Olympics is to encourage both. Um, and not yeah. only that, go ahead. No, no, you're absolutely right. I, I just wanted to underscore and inject something in this moment. I mean, the, the reality is that I actually never heard my uncle boast about his mm. athletic achievement. Wow. I, I, I really, uh, he talked about doing your best, you know, being, being proud of the fact that you had, you, you left it all on the court, the field, you know, in the arena, you know, that you, that you just, that you aspire to be the best, you know, and I mean, that was another one, good, better, best, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, good is great, but better is the best. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, uh, you, you just, you just strive and you visualize this getting better and you work at it. Uh, and you, and you, ne- you never, you, you, you never let failure be anything other than a stepping stone to getting better. You don't get locked into it. Uh, you know, it was those simple, those simple lessons. But I just wanted to say that as, as proud as we were, I never once heard my uncle boast. When he talked about the 1924 games, he talked about what he learned from Eric Little's fidelity to his faith. Wow. You know. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, he, he won a gold medal and you'd think that that would be something that, I mean, you know, that you would mention on Thanksgiving or Christmas <laughs> when the family's gathered around, you know, show it off. Um, but I, I think that just attests to his character to show he did a great feat, which very few people have done. Um, but yeah. for his focus to be on, Eric Little and the testimony that he gave by not running on a Sunday. Yeah. I mean, he, he um, if you, I mean, his, I, I don't, I don't know if they were like, let's talk once a week, buddies, 
but they were, he was an associate with, with uh, Jackie Robinson. My, I think Uncle D. Hart died in the mid, mid-70s. Uh, but he, he knew and talked with and engaged uh, Jackie Robinson. And that was one of the things about Jackie Robinson, too, that he was a great athlete. Uh, but he had he, he he had a keen mind, and he exercised it. Uh, and um, you know those those are some of the things in terms of life lessons. But the the the, the one thing that my mom and my dad, uh, as well as Uncle D Hart and and others, uh, the, the power of example. You know that that I I learned my work ethic from my dad. And, and that generation and Uncle D. Hart's generation. Um, but it was their example. You know, they didn't just, they didn't just tell us, you know, go work hard. We saw them working hard. Uh, we saw them not being frustrated with, with false barriers. Uh, that, you know, th- this was another one. Uh, the human condition, it's not a spectator sport. <laughs> we change the human condition through human agency, you know. And so you can't sit on the sidelines, you know, and be a sideline critic and, and, and affect change in the human condition. You have to engage. And I think from what I've heard, it sounds like Mr. Hubbard absolutely did. He absolutely did engage and try to make things better for his family and for his community around him, as you mentioned with, the, with baseball. It's just, inc- it's incredible to hear his story. And I'm excited that um, your family is, is pursuing a documentary about him to tell his story and to give it to a, a, a broader audience. One of the things that I'm, I'm, that I'm curious about, just thinking about these upcoming Tokyo games, do you, I mean, the games have, the games have changed a lot in, you know, almost a hundred years since the 1924 games, they've, they've had some hard times with boycotts and terrorism at the games and, and difficult things like that. But through it all, it seems at least from my perspective, and maybe this is just my American bias, but it seems like America has tried to continue to be a light at the games, you know, a, a beacon of freedom, whether it's, you know, Jesse Owens at the, the 1936 games or, boycotting the 1980 games because of uh, the games were hosted in Moscow, trying to use the Olympic stage as a, a platform to show freedom. Do you think, and, I, and I'm just curious about your, your mm-hmm. opinion here, do you think that we are losing that or are we growing in that? Where do you think, when, when you think of the Olympics and America's relationship to it, do you think we are embracing that role of kind of being a light on the world stage or are we shrinking back from that at all? Well, I'm, 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 I'm afraid um, that we're in a moment where we've lost all contact with the power of the Latin phrase, e pluribus unum, from the many one. Uh, one of the great uh, achievements of America is that in now 245 years, we are actually the most diverse, the most robust, economically robust constitutional republic in all of human history. You know, folks are not 
breaking down doors to get out of this country. They're breaking down doors to get in here, both legally and illegally. Uh, we are we are perceived again as being an opportunity uh, society, uh, not a repressive form of government. And so, if you can see, you balance two things. Um, that we we have our our promise and our practice, and there there are times when there's a gap between the promise of America and the practice in America. But over that 245 years, good people have in fact moved us closer to the promise. We've 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 problem solved together. And we, we, we've, we've done it as a people that actually understand the, the uh, people that understand the universality of our, our, the principles that, that drive our country and our worldview. And, and when we do that, we make progress. I'm, I'm afraid that in this moment, when we're now seeing the advance of critical race theory, uh, that is based on not judging people by the content of their character, but actually accentuating those things that are that that make us different. That we we can lose some of the brightness of the shining city on the hill, uh, and so I I think it's important that good folks of all races and ethnicities. You know, come together, push back against this assault on what has made us, again, uh, that shining city on the hill as compared to all other forms of government, uh, forms of government that find themselves on the ash bin of history. Uh, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's ironic uh, that, you know, this year, as we're celebrating our 240 fifth year as a constitutional republic, the People's Republic of China uh, and the, the Chinese Communist Party are celebrating 100 years. And if you can compare how uh, humanity has been treated and advanced over the, the 245 years that we share, you know, uh, or, or the 100 years that we share, what you find is that you, nothing could be more more glaring in communist uh, China. Uh, the party runs God and faith <laughs> out of the public square. Uh, they have destroyed the family uh, and, and replaced it with, with the state. Uh, and as a consequence, you know, you have had millions upon millions of people die. You know, you compare that with the the U.S. and our 200, or let's in the last 100 years, uh, where we can compare apples to apples, you know, America has made tremendous, tremendous progress. Uh, and, and, you know, I tell people all the time, look, <clears throat> 2020 was an, was an extraordinary year, not only in the world, but in America. You know, if you go back <laughs> the last 100 years, and take a look at a couple of things. 
1918, we had the Spanish flu pandemic. Uh, in 1929, we had major economic disruption. Uh, 1968, we had urban riots all across uh, the country. 1974, we had an impeachment crisis. Well, in 2020, we had all of those. <laughs> we had all of those. You know, and uh, but what what country uh, came up with the vaccine? What country has pushed not only the United States, but many parts of the world back to normality? It's been the United States. It's because we are free. It hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been China. It's been the United States where freedom has, has blossomed. And we have to stop. We have to take off the blinders. Uh, we have to stop imagining uh, that a, a, a force against families and a force against the church, you know, is, is advancing humanity. Uh, and be so overly critical of still the blemishes that we have in this country, but that we have worked on together and gotten better. Uh, and so uh, there's no need in me repeating the progress that we've made in 245 years or the last 100 years in dealing with uh, crises moments in, in, in our history. Uh, we are a good people this is a great country built on principles and ideas uh, that are unique in all of human history. And it is why the United States is still the shining city on the hill. Hmm. And, and one of the things that I personally love when I watch the Olympics is that you can watch any sporting event and no matter what the person looks like, there's a good chance the American flag is going to pop up mm -hmm. next to their name. I mean, it's it's amazing to see. You, you have people from all backgrounds competing with a Team USA jacket on. Um, and it's, I mean, it's one of my favorite favorite things oh, about the Olympics. Oh, I, 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 absolutely. It, it, again, it's, it's e pluribus unum. We, we, we just exemplify that. You mm -hmm. know, we are a people with many ethnic and racial backgrounds. But it is, we, we've, we've made that phrase work when we've been at our best. When we turn on one another is when we, you know, it's, it's it, I remember Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas saying something 30 years ago when we were sharing a platform and I'll, I'll probably mess up the story, but he talked about something he was he was imagining. He said, imagine going through a hall and looking uh, into a doorway and you see people sitting around the table and they have long spoons and there's a pot a soup in the middle and they go and they, they, they put a little soup on the spoon, but because the spoon is so long, by the time they turn it around and get it to the mouth, most of the soup is off of the spoon. He said, "It just think of the glorious moment when they understand that if, in fact, they take their spoon, fill it up, and reach it across the table and, 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 and give that person <laughs> a full spoonful, that person does it 
everybody is better off with that sort of cooperation, that sort of collaboration, that sort of community. Uh, and America is at its best when it understands that, when, when you're, we're not self-centered, when we're not divided, when we understand that, again, great nations are not the products of great governments, that are products of good people doing great things together in community. And, you know, and, 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 and we can do that and respect our individuality, our individual uniqueness, our individual talent. We all can make a contribution. Mm. Yes, sir. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, well, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I do have um, two more questions, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Um, first... Is there a particular sports or event that you are looking forward to seeing in the upcoming Tokyo Games? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's ironic. I will tell you, as I've gotten older, I, I love I love track and field. Uh, but my favorite spectator sport right now is volleyball. <laughs> hey, it's a great sport. I, 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 Indoor volleyball, I cannot wait. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that's 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 my thing. I, I I'm look I'm looking because it's 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 a collection of individuals with individual talent that have to in fact play together as a team mm. in order to win. You know, no one person can win a volleyball contest. <laughs> it takes right. it is a team effort. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, it's a great sport. It's, it's one of my favorites personally. Um, and my last question is just if there is anything else that we did not talk about that you would like to talk about or any other stories you'd like to share or anything, um, that we didn't touch on, if there's anything else that, that you wanted to to share. Well, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, again, I just can underscore, you know, my, my family has been a, a family uh, that is, without question, a very human family. I, we've had to deal with individuals with alcoholism, drug addiction, you know, uh, other kinds of health challenges. Uh, and, and so it is, it is not that we have escape understanding our human frailty um we 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 do um but we we understand that god has placed us in this country at this time uh and we need to know that we have the talent to make a contribution for for such a time as this Uh, and so uh the one thing that i can tell you as we go into the games is that the the blackwell hubbard family are not sideline sitters. We are in fact uh, engaged uh, and full participants that try to leave everything on the field. That's awesome. Great. Thank you so much, sir. And I I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you telling more about your great uncle's story. Um, And I'm very excited, like I said, about this the potential of this documentary coming out and more people hearing about his story. Um, is there anywhere uh, you would like to direct people, any sort of social media or books or articles or whatever that you'd like to uh, direct people to? Well, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of writing uh, and uh, at, at the 
frc.org. That's the Family Research Council.org. Uh, and we can stay engaged there and you can follow what, what I have to say about a whole variety of things. But I've, I've been blessed and I've thoroughly, Olivia, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this exchange uh, with you. And, and as we celebrate this, this nation's 245th year of existence, I never forget that uh, our nation and our individual lives are gifts from God and, and our ability to connect with people uh, is also a gift. And so I thank you for the gift today. Thank you. This concludes my conversation with Mr. Ken Blackwell. Thanks for listening to The Games Podcast. The intro music is from Aaron Copeland's Fanfare for the Common Man. The sound effects, transitional music, and theme song are from zapsplat.com. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, or any episode of The Games, feel free to reach out via the WordPress site, thegamespodcast.wordpress.com. You can also reach out on Instagram by searching at The Games Podcast, and on Facebook by searching The Games Podcast. Bonus material is posted to Instagram and Facebook, so be sure to follow The Games Podcast while you're there. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could share it with your friends or leave a rating or a review. It means a lot. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.